Hey, welcome back to the podcast series. This is Peter Day. Welcome to the channel Optimize to Convert. In this video is going to be a continuation of what we've been talking about with the hiring concept. Um, hiring has been one of the best things, but also one of the most challenging things, especially if you're growing a brand new business or your business is up and coming. The last thing you really want to do is hire a bunch of people just to find out that your overhead is really high. I remember one of the scariest times for business for us was actually during the coronavirus crash because what happened was we just started to scale our business in terms of uh, team. So it was about 2019 and we had a pretty good year because we were able to get some auto insurance campaigns um, off the ground. We had a big breakthrough promoting, you know, this one particular uh, lead gen auto at about 20 or 30 grand a day that produced a lot of income for the company. So we thought we would scale up our team. And it was the fourth quarter of 2019. We started hiring all these different positions like an account manager. We hired a salesperson. We hired um, all these assistants, we brought our accounting person into full-time mode, who was just part-time mode before. We did all this scaling up, and what happened was it was fine when it was all working. I mean, it was, I, I think the business was earning about $200,000 a month of profit, and then the expenses were like $100,000 a month, um, between everyone's salaries and all the payrolls and all of the overhead. So it was working, right? Wasn't my favorite margin um, in the world, but, but it was working, okay? But then what happened was when the coronavirus crash came, we ourselves were too heavily um, weighted in auto insurance and car f financing. I mean, literally auto stuff was our really one of our biggest things at the time. I mean, it was auto insurance and it was car loans. Those were the two sectors that we were seeing a lot of success in and we were doing other things too. But I mean, we were very weighted in those sectors. And what happened was the coronavirus crash came and those sectors were the sectors that were basically just hit the absolute hardest. I mean, we were selling car financing leads to these dealerships and all of the dealerships closed down. So not only did they close down, but they didn't want to buy leads for basically the rest of the year. I mean, the coronavirus thing hit really in January or February of 2020. I remember at the time I was in Florida and enjoying a month-long trip down there. I was still working on the trip, but it was a good trip. And I remember we heard the rumors of the virus in Wuhan and it's like I hope this thing doesn't spread and then lo and behold it started spreading and then I started to make some YouTube videos about how I was concerned about the economy and this and this and then it happened very quickly and then basically overnight next thing you know all the car dealerships were closed down those buyers stopped purchasing our leads and then surprisingly uh, to our surprise the auto insurance people stopped buying leads too um, literally for about a quarter there during lockdown, pretty much all the big auto insurance buyers stopped buying. The State Farm, Geico, Allstate, they all basically completely stopped buying leads during that time. So what was a very um, 
heavily weighted thing in our business, the auto and car finance stuff, basically disappeared. And the only things we had left were the things that were not um, those things. And what happened was it was a very scary year in business. It was actually the scariest time for me in business because I had just scaled up the team. Like I said, we used to only have, you know, like 20000 dollars a month or forty thousand dollars a month of salaries and overhead years ago i mean it used to be small and it used to be a small amount but then we scaled up our team we felt like it was going well and then the coronavirus thing hit and what happened was we were barely profitable at the business level for that year like our we didn't we didn't lay off anyone we we made this decision that we were just going to truck forward with things and just Literally, but it was scary. It was scary watching things so closely because um, the the overhead was about like a hundred thousand dollars a month, and the income coming in that year was only like a hundred thousand dollars a month. So it was kind of like a break-even um, scenario. And I, it was just a really scary time for me and the business because what we were thinking is like, oh my goodness, if this starts slipping in the opposite direction, we're going to be losing money. Like if our expenses are $100,000 per month and our income is only $70,000 a month, we're basically, we would be losing $30,000 a month. And then we were calculating, well, how long can we afford to just lose that kind of money until it was like really a problem? And the decision I made was like, listen, we're just going to bulldoze through this. We're not going to sit around and count how much money we could be losing or our burn rate. We're just going to figure out how to truck through this thing. So I kicked it up a notch, started working harder than ever before, started working longer hours, um, started just working my butt off. And believe it or not, that year it started to improve. I mean, we went from making 100 grand a month of profit, um, again, profit, because you got to think about this. If you build up a team and your team costs you $100,000 a month, you can't just do $100,000 a month in um, commissions. You have to be clearing $100,000 per month in net profit to afford the team. It's not just like a revenue or commission thing. So keep that in mind. But Basically, what happened that year was we just kicked it up a notch. I probably started working like twice as hard as I even was before. And um, it was scary times. I was very nervous for like literally most of the entire year. And it was scary. I have to admit, it was really, really scary because we also just didn't have that much cash reserves. Like we only had a few hundred thousand dollars uh or more, I forget the figure in like the bank at the time. It was just not like the most lucrative situation. But what happened was we bulldozed through it, okay? And we just hustled and hustled and hustled. And gradually, the income started going up and the expenses starting to stay the same. I mean, I, I made a decision. I'm like, I'm not going to hire even more like into this scenario because we got to get the income up. I mean, it's not a good business model having $100,000 a month of salaries and then just only making 100,000 a month of income. Like that's not the best model. So the decision I made was we're not going to hire, we're just going to build. And gradually 
we started getting out of that situation. I mean, I, you know, six or eight months later, we were making like $150,000 a month when the expenses are 100. It's like, okay, fine, like a little sign of relief here. We got 100 grand a month of payroll and the, you know, what's coming in is 150. We got some kind of um, margin here, some kind of cushion. There's like some kind of float here happening above and beyond these overheads. And then what we did was we made a decision for about two years to do zero hiring and only building, finding new campaigns, finding new verticals, finding more offers to promote. We started diversifying our traffic sources. Instead of just Facebook, we got on TikTok, we got on Google, we got on the YouTube channel, um, and we expanded a lot in terms of traffic sources, verticals, and we made this decision to basically keep the team the same size, but just build, okay? And it really started working. Year after year, we started seeing growth. And then finally, the margin started to get more acceptable to where the expenses were about $100,000 per month. But what was coming in in profit was about $300,000 a month. So it's like finally we had some breakthrough in terms of, um, you know, margin. And just so what I want to teach in this video, in this audio, that is, is I want to teach about building a team and it's, it's not always about hiring. It's sometimes knowing when not to hire because the way I look at it is your business needs to be able to support the hires. Like if I had, if that had happened during the coronavirus crash, but I just had this mentality where, oh, we're just going to keep, we're just going to hire more. We're just going to, we're just going to get more media buyers. We're going to get more um, salespeople. We're going to get more client support folks we're going to get we're going to build the accounting team even more there's some businesses that just have the wrong approach to it they think that hiring equals money and we've seen this time and time again with some of these like venture capital type of companies where they receive like a hundred million dollars in seed funding they go and build a company with like 200 employees and then you just find out three years later that they've gone bankrupt because they just went through all their money it was never a successful business it was just like a hope and a dream and it was just like some kind of like concept they were trying to build it wasn't actually rooted in reality unfortunately our company got stiffed by one of these kind of clowns last year there was a big health um insurance type of company that did just that i mean they took on a lot of capital they ended up not being able to pay any of their bills. Why? Because they didn't get their next round of funding. Why did they have to get their next round of funding? Because they weren't profitable as a business. They weren't profitable. The business model standalone wasn't profitable. So basically they folded, didn't pay anyone. And there's a lot of people out there that are doing that. So the main point here is that hiring doesn't make your business better or bigger. It has to be done properly and strategically. And you have to know when to hire and also just when not to hire. Like I said, during that coronavirus time, that was a two-year period of time where we basically did zero hiring at all. In fact, I even figured out how to slim things down a little bit. Like I had a particular person that I was just paying a little bit too high of a commission on um, on the sales team. And I figured out how to like negotiate that contract a little bit so that it was just a little bit lighter of a commission. And that actually reduced overhead from about a hundred grand a month to about 90 grand a month. So we even did some things to relieve, um, overhead a little bit. But what I want to share is basically when it comes to hiring, you have to think really, is the hire going to bring your business to the next level 
of profitability, or is it just going to make things more stressful financially, let's say? Because if you feel like the hire is going to help, I would go for it. But if you're at all concerned, like, I don't know, making this hire is just going to add stress to the business. We're not sure if we really want this extra payroll. If that's what's going through your mind, what might be better for you is instead of hiring more, it might be better to just figure out how to get that work done within your existing team or even just up the ante yourself with some work. So for example, let's say you have someone in mind, but you're really nervous about pulling the trigger on it. You don't have to pull the trigger right away. Maybe the best play is literally, what if you increase your workload by like 20%? And let's say you do have a small team of like two or three people. Instead of hiring the new person, you could just increase your productivity by like 20% and then just make everyone else on the team do like 10% more work. And maybe you could actually get what you're looking for out of that new hire, but with just some extra production within your team without even having to get the hire. Um, so going back to our story, we started off um, 10 years ago in affiliate marketing. For us, it's been a gradual build. I have to say for the first three or five years, we basically made no money and failed. By the time we were maybe uh, six or eight years in it, we were definitely making uh, millions, but it, it wasn't multiple millions. And then our breakthrough really actually happened after that coronavirus crash when we started to hunker down. I think the pressure of having to succeed ended up forcing us to build a really big business because what happened was, going back to the story, we were in a very tight spot where our overhead was $100,000 a month, but we were only bringing in $100,000 a month of profit. And I think this pressure caused us all to work like crazy. I know for myself, I was literally just trying to land. We were trying to just test anything we could get our hands on, any vertical. I'm like, I don't even care what the vertical is. I, we're, we'll test anything. We'll try anything. We'll try new things. We'll we'll try you know, e-commerce. We'll try uh, like any form of the lead gen, just you know, whatever we need to test in terms of a vertical, in terms of a business model. I think we even got into brand new... Um, entire business models themselves too within the space and what I believe is I believe it was this pressure that that really forced us to grow a big business I know even for my brother he really kicked into gear specifically that year my brother has always been an outstanding business partner but just seeing how he kicked into gear even during that coronavirus time I mean my brother has been 100% really on the ad side. He's been running the ads and overseeing the team, running the ads. And I know that during that coronavirus time, he really stepped up his game. He went from running a couple campaigns to just testing stuff every day, every week, really picking up the game because of the pressure. And I really believe that the pressure is what caused us to work so hard, obviously, but then it started to pay off. It was like that pressure was there. It was there. It was there. We were hustling. We were hustling. And then what happened, like I said, is it, we finally started to get some relief in the actual like margin of the entire um, business. We went from, you know, breaking even to hardly really making ends meet with profitability to finally seeing some months where it was 300,000 a month of profit, but we kept the expenses down at the 100 or 90 grand a month. I would say a year later, we got to the point where it was $500,000 a month of profit. We kept the expenses down, still 100,000 a month. We didn't increase them. And then lately, last year, we had a, we had a month where we literally earned about $1.5 million a month of profit 
the expenses have gone up a little bit in the last couple of years because we made a few hires. Um, but still, we've been able to get the margin much, much stronger, and now it's finally been in a comfortable um, place. So what I recommend for you guys, too, is you have to be thinking about this margin. Um, it's also very important to, to understand. So, you know, I made a mistake when we started hiring early on. I wasn't really tracking it all. I just hired this person, hired that person. I started building my team, but I wasn't even, personally, I wasn't even aware that it was adding up to. I like, I like freaked out when I actually crunched the numbers and realized that we had $100,000 a month of overhead. I didn't even realize it because it doesn't really seem to add up that much when you're not thinking about it. Like, if, if, let's say you have someone that costs 10000 a month. And then you have someone that costs like 6000 a month. And then you have another person that costs like 12000 a month. And you have another person that costs like 4000 a month. It, it all seems kind of like, you know, reasonable when you just like look at it that way. But then if you get out a spreadsheet and you add the 10000 plus the 12000 plus the 4000 plus the 5000 plus the other person at like 12000 plus you know, this person at like 4,000, like once you start to add it up, you realize like, oh my goodness, this 12,000 and this 10,000, this 6,000 and this 8,000, like just those alone is like $40,000 a month. And then, so a big mistake that I made in 2019 and 18 when we were building our team is I wasn't really understanding how much it was actually costing. It wasn't until the coronavirus crash hit that I actually realized I sat down. I'm like, I better do the numbers to figure out how much I'm spending versus earning. I think I wasn't really thinking about it before because during the auto insurance, during those auto insurance years before coronavirus, I, there was a pretty decent spread in the profitability to where in, in a single month, it was like $250,000 of profit in a month and the expenses were hundred grand a month. I wasn't really aware of it because I wasn't keeping that close track of it. I just knew that we were making money and that I just knew that the spread was pretty good because everything was growing. But looking back on it, I think the biggest mistake I made was I, I really wasn't organized in my expenses. I just brought people on. I knew that we were supporting it. I knew that it was working, but I actually didn't know that it was that much money and stuff. So what I do now with all of our expenses is this very regimented. I actually have a spreadsheet where I have every single monthly overhead on the spreadsheet. I have every single employee. I have every single uh, recurring charge. Like if you have charges for AWeber email list or ClickFunnels or Unbounce or landing page tools. Um, I even, let's say you have um, business insurance. Like if you have reoccurring expenses, what I've been doing is I've been, I have a chart now with all of the reoccurring expenses, everything you can think of, like I said, anywhere, anything from an employee to a landing page tool, to um, a subscription, to um, like a video editing software. I put business insurance on there. I put, I put the taxes too. That's an expense. Like if you have to pay an employee and then you have to pay into their taxes. That's also part of, um, that's an expense. It's not like that comes for free. So what I do now is I have a spreadsheet. It lays out every single recurring expense. So I'm able to see very, very clearly, like here's where I'm at. And I know exactly how much everything costs. 
I know exactly how much every one costs in the company in terms of dollar amounts. And then this sheet helps me to optimize things too. For example, we had a video editor on our team and we just felt like he was costing too much money. I look, I was looking at this chart that I have and this video editor was costing like $6,000 a month for full time and he was not even that good. So what we did recently was we got rid of him and we got a different video editor that only charges like $3,000 a month for full time. He's in a different country. It comes cheaper, but he's just as good, if not better, as the guy that was sick. So having this chart in front of me, I'm able to optimize like, okay, I have this video editor that's costing six. It's kind of a little hefty. What can we do there to make this more efficient? Now, it's not all about just like getting a cheaper cost, though. Trust me, on my chart, I also have employees that are getting paid $20,000 a month or $25,000 a month, um, whatever it is. Um, and it's not just about trying to get a cheaper employee. You have to look at the return. I mean, the issue with the video editing guy is that there wasn't that much of return for the six grand a month it was costing. I just would prefer to get that for half the price. With some folks that are getting a higher salary, the return is there. So when it comes to building your team, you need to be really aware of what it's costing, okay? And don't just wait until the last minute or something to do this. Even once you get your first hire or once you, you might even want to implement this now in your business. Like let's say you have a small team of three to five people. Understand what this is costing. Make a chart. You know, employee one costs this. Employee two costs this. I have this like subscriptions to these things that charge on my credit card. That co You want to chart this all out so you understand exactly what your overhead is. And then on a monthly basis, you want to be tracking exactly what your profitability is. And what you need to be focusing on is you need to be focusing on making the spread of your profitability and your expenses as wide of spread as really possible. So I think lately we've been doing a very good job at that spread because our expenses now are about $160,000 a month. They've gone up as we've hired more, but even though the expenses have been about one sixty, the profit on a monthly basis has been about one point five million or one million. So we have um, this very strong like 10x spread or whatever it is between expenses and profitability. My goal is to have the best spread I can have in, in the smartest way possible. Okay. And how I've been achieving that is I've been hiring not that rapidly. I've been hiring a person at a time when I feel like it's been moving the needle the most has basically been my approach. So what you're really going to want to track on your team is you're going to want to track, like I said, make sure you understand exactly what your expenses are down to the T. I'm not talking just about employees. I'm talking about like things that are charging your credit cards, little subscriptions, like rent, office space, whatever you're spending on in your business. Um, if you're charging like personal things to the business, like cell phone, internet, your rent itself, like whatever, include those things in your um, expense report too. So you need to know exactly what the expenses are actually costing you. And then what you need to then understand is how much profitability you're bringing in. And what you're going to be wanting to do is you're going to want to make that spread as big as possible. I mean, I would try to have at least a 10x spread between expenses and profitability, at least a 10x spread. If I can get my business to where it has over a 20x spread, I would be much happier with that even. I, In my opinion, 
the bigger the spread, the better, because what that means is you're building a very profitable and efficient business. Now, what's very interesting is on our media buying team, we actually help our media buying team to have teams within their team. So let's just say, for example, we have a media buyer named Bob. Let's just say hypothetically. What we've been encouraging our media buyers to do is we've actually, our media buyers have been earning so much money um, being a media buyer. is a very lucrative position in our company. The media buyers have been earning so much money being media buyers that they've actually been able to afford building their own teams with their own money. Because um, some of our media buyers have been earning anywhere from $20,000 a month to $100,000 a month on their end, like literally take home um, commissions. So what we've been encouraging our media buyers to do is we've been encouraging our media buyers to use some of that money to start building out a team. Because think about it, as a media buyer, a media buyer can only produce so much um, revenue and campaign they, they can only manage so many campaigns themselves. I mean, I've seen it over and over again, no matter how good the media buyer says they are or is, they, they're only able to manage like like two to five verticals at the same time. I mean, I, I've just, I've never seen a media buyer handle like 15 campaigns or verticals simultaneously. It's never happened. And I'm not sure it ever will without a team. So what we've been encouraging our media buyers to do is we've said, listen, guys, you know, you're making like 20 grand a month, 50 grand a month, 100 grand a month, whatever these lofty numbers are. What we've been encouraging our media buyers to do is we've been encouraging our media buyers to take a portion of that money and invest in building a team within their team. So a media buyer could use different help. A media buyer could use someone that just goes in and launches ads. A media buyer could use someone that comes up with different creatives. A, vi um, a media buyer could use a video editor. A media buyer could use like a statistician type of person that maybe like a data analyst type of person that actually is tracking all the profitability of the campaigns. A media buyer could probably use someone who is organizing things in their business, like keeping an eye on ad accounts, keeping an eye on this, like kind of someone who's really keeping an eye, quote unquote, on everything that's going on. Now, can some of those positions cross the lines and be wearing multiple hats? Absolutely. Like the person that is the data analyst could also just be the person that's keeping an eye on all of the ad accounts and the spend and this and that. And the video editor, if you really wanted them to, could probably be the same person that actually goes in and launches ads in the ad accounts, assuming they're not so busy making videos that they don't have time to launch. But what we've been encouraging our team to do is take a portion of your earnings and start building out a team. Because think about it, let's say a media buyer with us is earning $30,000 a month. That media buyer could potentially get stuck at around $30,000 a month, let's just say hypothetically, if they don't do things to grow, like they need to be promoting multiple things, new verticals, they probably need to be building a team. One of our strongest media buyers on in our company, they have a team of about six people under them. And the six people consist of, it's all family members too. It's like brother, sister, cousin. This media buyer has basically trained um, all these different family members to do different tasks like uh, video editing, launching the ads, everything I really described, keeping an eye on the campaigns, launching the campaigns, building landing pages. Sometimes building a landing page can be really time consuming. Um, 
especially for me, it was because in the early days of business, my brother and I were doing every component of the entire affiliate marketing business. We've gotten to the point now where we're just not able to, but I remember when I was personally building out landing pages, I was so slow and kind of, I was so slow at it. It was taking me like just hours to build out a good landing page. Um, so that could be something that could definitely be outsourced. The building of landing pages, launching ads, the video editing stuff for sure. The copywriting has been a little tricky um, to outsource because I feel like the copy and the scripting and the vocabulary of the ads has been kind of a very specific nuanced skill set, but I'm sure it is um, outsourceable with the right person. But there's all this low-hanging fruit that a media buyer can outsource. They can outsource um, the, the launching of the ads, the tracking of the ROI, keeping an eye on every ad account that exists. They can outsource uh, the video editing, the, the landing page. Like if I if I were to outsource one thing as a media buyer, the first thing I would outsource is building those landers. I would find someone who's really, really good at building those landers. Um, and I would outsource the video editing as like the first things that I outsource. Because if you can find someone that builds landers and makes the videos, then you can just focus on testing scripts and angles and ideas and vocabulary and that's literally could free up like 60% of your time as a media buyer just like outsourcing those two things and the way you got to look at it is like okay hiring a video editor and hiring a landing page person by the way it could be the same person if you find someone that's really good at video editing chances are that person has the creative skills to um, to, to also make landing pages right but if you're able to find those positions, what that would do is let's say that frees up your time. Let's say that starts freeing up like three to five hours a day of your time. What you can then do in those extra three to five hours is you could be testing brand new things. Maybe there's some solar campaign you've always wanted to test, but you weren't able to get to it. Or maybe you really wanted to nail um, debt relief, but you've just been putting it to the side. If you have a bigger team, you're going to be able to handle more of these different projects and you're going to be able to handle more verticals and then what you'll realize is okay my video editor guy cost me like four grand a month or two or three grand a month whatever it costs but you can now be making an additional thirty thousand dollars a month or more or whatever it is because of the fact that you're running like three times the amount of campaigns and verticals than you were before so the biggest mistake that i've seen personally with media buying teams and media buying companies is that they're not like hiring a team within their media buying team like they're just getting media buyers and then hoping the media buyers just kind of solve everything and do everything that's not really the biggest way to grow that i've seen the biggest way to grow in the media buying stuff that i've seen is to have the media buyers be actually operating a team themselves where it's like the media buyer is the head guy of their team, but then they have the graphic designer, the creative designer, the video editor, the person who launches ad, the person that tracks all the stats, the person who keeps an eye on every ad account, whether it's idle or not, because who knows, maybe an ad account could start spending out of the blue. There's like nuance, things like that. And um, you could also, the same person that's doing the data analytics could also be just keeping an eye on the campaign like throughout the day. Like how's the campaign doing at noon? How's it doing at 3 p.m.? Is it still staying profitable? Is something broken? Like you have to have a lot of eyes on campaigns in media buying. And 
my biggest focus is right now in business is finding more um, more things to promote so more verticals the way I look at it is the more the more things we're promoting the more success um, we can have because let's just say you're only promoting one thing you're kind of limited your your maximum success is going to be basically the maximum potential for the one thing to succeed like let's say you are promoting auto insurance the most you're going to be able to succeed is basically the biggest and best you're going to be able to ever build auto insurance and let's say you do a phenomenal job at that and you're able to get auto to do a hundred thousand dollars a day like that's great and that's quite an accomplishment especially the auto industry lately has still not recovered fully from coronavirus like something whacked their businesses and like messed up the auto industry and um it's still been a little frustrating that industry but what i recommend is i recommend that everyone focus on just more verticals and i'm, I'm actually going to do a call to action um in this podcast before i wrap it up is that on our team we're looking for more things to promote. So if you're listening to this podcast and you are an offer owner, let's say you own a lead gen offer or a e-commerce offer or a VSL offer or anything, info product, anything that you think could be a really good fit for our team to promote, my call to action here, if you're listening, is reach out to me or my brother and let's discuss promoting what you have. This call out is really just for offer owners. I'm not the biggest fan of all the brokers and the aggregators. I'm going to have to be honest, unless it's very strategic, like you have some super hot thing and it's actually special, it's actually different, it's actually unique. A lot of brokers are honestly desperate and they're brokering because they don't know how to run ads. Um, but if you're a direct offer owner, if you actually are an advertiser and you own an offer and you think there could be a unique fit for our company to actually hit that offer, reach out to myself on Skype or LinkedIn. I've been pretty present on LinkedIn lately. Just literally shoot me a LinkedIn message. Go to go to LinkedIn, type in Peter Day, you know, connect with me and just shoot me a message there. I've been checking those messages. Shoot me a Skype. My Skype name is Peter Day 3640. Just type in Peter Day 3640. You'll see me pop right up. Shoot me a message because if you have something that we can promote what this could do is it could raise both of our businesses to the next level. Not only will it help our team to be promoting more things, but it could really light some serious fire um, power under what it is that you're promoting. I mean, the last time we did something like this where it was more like these miscellaneous kind of outside-of-the-box things that we were promoting, it was back in 2017 we promoted someone's offer to get paid um, to drive and this advertiser was doing about $4,000 a day on their Facebook ads, maybe $3,000 a day on their Facebook ads. They couldn't figure out whatsoever how to increase this volume. They just were really stuck. What my brother and I did was we came in and we started helping in a lot of different ways. So we helped with a funnel. We actually made his landing page better and we made the funnel convert better. So the first thing we did was funnel analysis and we helped it convert better. The next thing we did was we started testing a lot of ads and we started doing what our team has been strong at, which has been running ads, has been a huge strength at least. So what we were able to do in about six months of coming on board with this opportunity, 
we were able to take this campaign from about three or four thousand dollars a day to about twenty or thirty thousand dollars a day. For the first time, this advertiser started earning a million dollars a month from us just basically coming in and crushing it um, with their offer. And I think the you know the offer owner got a little carried away. And it, it actually fell apart. You know what's funny? The offer fell apart because the offer owner got carried away. He started making so much money that he went out and just bought like a piece of land with like all of his money or something. And then he wasn't able to pay. <laughs> it was the dumbest thing. We ended up we ended up getting paid at the end of the day. Like we ended up getting paid months later. But it was it was one of these rookie mistakes. Like he started making so much money that he took like. $500,000 and he bought a piece of land in Utah with the like entire $500,000 and he was making so much money that he wanted to buy this land in cash and then build this like mansion on the land but but it was so stupid because what happened was because he bought the land he did not have the money to pay me and my brother like it came time for him to pay and he was like, "Oh, I can't pay because I I bought this land." And he's like, "I'm going to have to kind of like start earning more to pay you." I'm like, "Dude, are you kidding? Like you you like why did you like what are you doing?" So anyway, we ended up fight, but that's actually what ended the deal. What ended the entire deal? with this thing that was doing $1 million a month was this guy just being stupid and using like his, it wasn't only his profits. It sounded like he used his profits plus some of the money he owed us to just buy this land. And then he couldn't even pay us. And then we quit. We said, dude, if you're not going to pay us, like we're just, end, we're just stopping this thing. So literally that that's what ended that deal was this dude getting carried away with the money spending all his money on this piece of land and then having us quit because he never paid us um, on on time. I, we then had to spend two to four months hunting. I think he put us on payment plans. He started paying us like, he owed us a lot of money. He owed us like hundreds of thousands of dollars or something. And he had to put us on payment plans. He had to pay us like $50,000 every single month for like the next like four months to get our to get us paid. And I was like, and that's literally what ended the deal. So... You know, just interesting story there, but it just goes to show it's just you got to be responsible with money. If you make a lot of money, it's very wise to save that money and don't just blow it on, you know, like Lamborghinis and just houses that are just way beyond your means. And um, especially if the money comes in quick, like if you go from making like very little money to just making a lot of money quickly, I mean, it's a very rookie mistake just to go and take the new money and just buy like expensive things, really. It's just like, you know, it could, it's, I've seen the mistake like over and over again. There's been these affiliates that like make a lot of money, they buy a Ferrari and then they're just, they're just like, they're just broke six months later because their campaigns fell apart and they just bought the, the car or whatever. Um, but going back to this call to action, if you're an offer owner, and I'm really speaking to the direct um, offer owners, the guys that actually own and operate their own whatever, lead gen, call center, info product, e-commerce, VSL, literally whatever it is in our industry. If, if you're a direct offer owner, you own and operate the thing, what I recommend doing is reach out to us and see if we can promote it. Because let's say you're doing 
you know, X amount per day, we're able to come in with our expertise. We're able to partner on that offer. We're not asking for a piece of your business. We would probably just do it under an affiliate marketing model. We'll just do it under performance marketing. Just we'll work, we'll work out a commission. All we ask for is that the paid terms are quick, that we get paid every week um, and not slower. And we just ask that we get paid on time and that we get paid, you know. But if you're an offer owner and you have something that could really be a good fit, reach out to us. We would love to explore a partnership. The only other requirement we have, too, is it has to be something that is already getting some measure of success. The thing about it, if I make a call to action like this, we can get hundreds of messages, okay? And the issue is that the hundreds of messages could be for a lot of things that stink. They could be for a lot of things that, you know, people, you know, oh, you know, can you promote this? It's some junky thing. And it's like a lot of desperation. What, what we're asking for is we're asking for you to reach out if you have some degree of success. It has to be doing at least like that other offer was doing. It has to be doing at least $3,000 to $5,000 per day. What we can then do is we can come in. We can apply our skill sets. We can launch it on Facebook, Google, TikTok, YouTube, Display, Native. We can launch it on all these channels and maybe... Just maybe we're able to take it from the three or five thousand a day to a million a month. Let's say it's already something that's doing you thirty thousand a day. Maybe we can take it to sixty thousand a day. So that's my call to action on this podcast is if you're a direct offer owner, you have something that is very unique, very special, and you're actually the operator of it and you just want some more firepower behind it with traffic, reach out to us, send me a LinkedIn, shoot me a Skype, let's explore it. Let's see what it is. Let's see if it can succeed um, with us promoting it and let's see if a partnership could be had here. So guys, this is Peter Day. Um, I'm going to sign off now. I got a lot of work to do today, but look out for next week's podcast. And I hope these podcasts are really just giving you a ton of value. I mean, seriously, I've been putting a lot of work into the content of these podcasts, a lot of effort into the training. I mean, this is really solid training. This is the stuff that you literally go to seminars for. There's guys that would pay $5,000 a ticket to go to a three-day seminar to actually get these real-life pieces of advice, how to build a business, how to do it properly, how to hire, the, and just the mistakes, learning from the mistakes we've made is just so valuable um, because a lot of times we've learned from our own mistakes and you being able to learn from our mistakes is huge value. So guys, make sure to subscribe, leave the comments below. Let's see you on the next podcast and we'll go from there. This is Peter and we'll talk soon.